It lays the predicate and the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. Physicists predict Earth will become a chaotic world with dire consequences. That headline was from LiveScience.com, and they continue with this. Humans are making the climate chaotic, a stark new study suggests. And it took a team of so-called scientists to come up with that conclusion. The newly published so-called science study then states, if the Earth system gets into the region of chaotic behavior, we will lose all hope of somehow fixing the problem, end quote. Too late. Scientists reveal what would happen if the ozone layer vanished. That new headline report is from ScienceAlert.com. Almost too late on this one. Dangerously close to too late. The report continues. If the ozone layer were to disappear, whether through human or some other means, this would have a catastrophic effect on our climate. What a gross understatement that is. We have not always had an ozone layer. Before the emergence of life, the ozone was essentially non-existent in our atmosphere. They then say this, the lack of ozone and the resulting cooling of the stratosphere would also destabilize that layer of the atmosphere, preventing the formation of clouds. Spoken about this on the broadcast in previous installments, the cloud tipping point. So no ozone layer, few if any clouds, and this so-called science article from sciencealert.com still refuses to state the irrefutable conclusion, no ozone layer, no more terrestrial life. Game over for humans and everything else. Here's a quick not-so-fun fact to put our atmospheric dilemma into perspective. First, Earth's atmosphere is comparatively as thin as a layer of paint on a basketball But it gets worse. The ozone layer, if compressed to a single molecular layer, would be about six millimeters thick. It's about two dimes. And that's what allows us to live on this planet for the moment. There's more, so much more, and it's not good news. Let's add this new report from BigThink.com to the equation. The Carrington event of 1859 disrupted telegraph lines. A Miyake event would be far worse. For those that don't know what the Carrington event was, it was a solar flare that took down telegraph lines all over the world. But compared to a Miyake event, we would have no chance at this point. A Miyake event is a powerful burst of cosmic rays. The origin and cause of these increases in cosmic ray activity is currently unknown. This report then states a Miyake event occurring in the near future, as interpreted by various scientists, would have significant impacts on global technological infrastructure such as satellites, telecommunications, and power grids. Again, wave after wave of pacifying lies. First, since climate engineering operations have so badly compromised our atmosphere and the ozone layer, Even a Carrington-scale solar flare event equivalent would take down the whole of so-called civilization. A Miyake-scale event stacked on top of all the damage already inflicted on the planet would wipe out all life. And above it all, at least for the moment, the climate engineering onslaught rages. Single biggest causal factor for destroying the ozone layer. Climate engineering operations. Search the ozone destruction section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn more. But these climate engineering operations are slightly propping up, otherwise falling 
GDP reports, global domestic product, a global economy built and based on destroying the life support systems of the planet on which all of our lives completely depend. The question, could climate engineering operations be considered the actions of a sane species or sane societies or anything but? And I recognize there are exceptions to the insanity. And to you, I am most grateful. Moving on. Manufacturing is sputtering in the world's largest economies. That new headline is from CNN and other sources. Is it true? Only partially. Manufacturing isn't just sputtering. It's beginning to implode. And not just in the world's largest economies, but rather across the board. The CNN report continues. Factories in the United States and across the Eurozone reported a decline in new orders for manufacturing goods in May. Just the beginning. S&P Global Data showed that U.S. manufacturing sector fell into contraction territory in May. A similar survey released by the Institute for Supply Management showed the industry contracted for the seventh consecutive month in May. Recent data showed that exports from China fell 7.5% in May alone. U.S. government data also showed what could be the beginning of a consistent slowdown. They then say the outlook for the industry remains bleak, with new export orders in particular falling sharply. The CNN report then asks, what's driving the weakness? Question mark. Again, the CNN's headline, manufacturing is sputtering. What should the superseding headline be? The planet's life support systems are sputtering. No, not just sputtering, but completely unraveling and perilously close to total collapse. That, of course, is the bottom line beyond which all other concerns and causes become moot points. Game over. With that in mind, this headline from studyfinds.org. If humans went extinct, what would the earth look like one year later? Question mark. So much silence, they say. And then they continue. If humans just disappeared from the world and you could come back to earth to see what had happened one year later, the first thing you'd notice wouldn't be with your eyes. It would be with your ears. The world would be quiet and you would realize how much noise people make. They continue. Our buildings are noisy. Our cars are noisy. Our sky is noisy. All of that noise would just stop. They then say you'd notice the weather. After a year without people, the sky would be bluer. The air would be clearer. The wind and the rain would scrub clean the surface of the earth. All the smog and dust that humans make would be gone. Everything would just magically disappear in a year. Really? Who writes these reports? Certainly nobody that has any connection to reality. They then say you'd notice a lot more bugs. Also, not true. You can't just reverse this kind of damage. You can't just turn it off. We have untold eons of the unfolding of this web of life. And once it's been decimated, it doesn't just instantly recover when you get rid of the cause. This, what would happen one year after humans went extinct, reports, continues with this. In your neighborhood, critters would return. First, the little ones, mice, groundhogs, raccoons, skunks, foxes, and beavers. Bigger animals would come later, deer, coyotes, and the occasional bear. This is what we see on the futuristic, apocalyptic movies. Somehow, the environment has survived the demise of the human race, and that simply does not match reality. We have not only the existing decimation of the planet, not only the likelihood of nuclear exchange coming soon, but the indisputable fact that at least 440 
nuclear power plants would go into full-blown meltdown, China syndrome, Fukushima times 440. That ionizing radiation would strip away what's left of the atmosphere, turning our planet into a lifeless ball of rock spinning in space. That's the course we're on. So with these kinds of articles and the futuristic movies that we see so often that show somehow the environment has survived the onslaught of the human race again, such a conclusion isn't connected to reality. And the final summary from this report, humans suddenly vanishing from the world would reveal something about the way we treated the earth. It would also show us that the world we have today can't survive without us. Do we not know that? Do we not know that if we're not here, we're not going to have skies filled with geoengineering jet aircraft or freeways filled with smog-puking cars? Obviously, we should know that. It continues, and that we can't survive if we don't care for it. To keep it working, they say, civilization, like anything else, requires constant upkeep. That's a gross understatement. Everything from industrialized, militarized civilization, everything it makes, with very few exceptions, begins to deteriorate from the moment it's manufactured. This constant chewing up of the natural world for so-called civilization, how long can that continue? The whole term sustainable growth is obviously an oxymoron. You can't continue to expand and consume what's left of the planet's life support system to sustain so-called civilization and expect to live long. How simple is that? So many layers of insanity with climate engineering being at the top of the pyramid in so many ways. With all that in mind, let's add this new report from the UK Guardian. Vast fossil fuel farming and fishing subsidies causing, quote, environmental havoc. From that report, the World Bank says subsidies costing as much as $23 million a minute must be repurposed to fight the climate crisis. Newsflash, it's already being done their way. Question, how much does it cost to fly geoengineering jets all over the world, pumping out tens of millions of tons of highly toxic filth into our skies? There's your World Bank so-called climate solution, weather warfare. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the end of the world as we know it broadcast. Commercial-free, non-political, and covering the most dire and immediate threats we collectively face. This is Dane Wigington with geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of covert climate engineering operations. If you want to strike up a conversation on the climate engineering issue with those around you, check the activist materials section on the homepage of Geoengineering Watch shirts, hoodies, super effective printed materials that we pass on for less than our cost of producing and shipping just to get them into circulation. Make your voice heard. Help us to push this issue to the full light of day. Moving on, get a reminder, my recent interview with Robert F. Kennedy, it's on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org addressing the climate engineering issue. Also did an interview this week with Italian TV. It's called Vision TV. They are definitely waking up to this issue there. Next headline, Joint NASA and NOAA study. NOAA, for those that don't know, is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. They have a federal gag order on them, by the way. That should be a massive red flag on climate engineering, shouldn't it? National Weather Service, same. Illegal federal gag order, both agencies. But NASA and NOAA study finds Earth's energy imbalance has doubled. What's Earth's energy balance? That means the amount of energy entering Earth's atmosphere compared to the amount of energy leaving Earth's atmosphere. There was once a balance 
with this equation, no more. How much energy is now entering Earth's atmosphere as compared to the energy leaving it? It's the thermal energy equivalent of seven Hiroshima bombs per second. The heat contained in seven Hiroshima bombs per second is building up on planet Earth. Much of that has gone into the oceans. That's about to be released this year. This is a converging catastrophe scenario, climate engineering trying to cover it up, trying to mask the severity of what's unfolding from populations until the last possible minute, and in doing so, in trying to hide it, they are further fueling the fire, in addition to completely, ubiquitously contaminating the entire planet, every breath we take. So this question, are NASA and NOAA telling the truth? No. Is our scenario really this bad? No. It's exponentially worse than this bad. Worse than anything NASA, NOAA, or any other official agency has ever admitted. And they're only partially admitting to what they can no longer hide at this point. But the equation we face is unimaginably exponential, not linear. From Reuters.com, EU told to slash greenhouse gas emissions 90 to 95% by 2040. First, in none of these equations is it considered how much greenhouse gas the geoengineering jet aircraft are spewing into our skies along with the toxic particles they're dispersing. But next, on the current course, statistically, mathematically, the human emitted greenhouse gases will be cut by far more than 90 and 95% and far sooner than 2040 because the human race won't be here if we remain in the current course. Again, not theory hypothesis or conjecture that's a statistical certainty on the current course i realize on that kind of note many people will turn the station dial and walk away we're trained from birth to run from bad news not to face it to run from it but i would argue again no matter how dire the news is it is our responsibility to face it it matters that we face it Every single individual that our collective efforts help to awaken matters in ways that we cannot yet know or understand, but it matters. And the hallmark of a healthy mind, an unyielding willingness to face the truth, no matter how dire. Moving on to more weather warfare from the UK Guardian. Drought is on the verge of becoming the next pandemic. Again, climate engineering far more effective at cutting off precipitation even than augmenting it, though it can do both very effectively. From this Guardian report, freshwater shortages, once considered a local issue, are increasingly a global risk. In every annual risk report since 2012, the World Economic Forum has included water crises as one of the top five risks to the global economy. Half the global population, almost 4 billion people, live in areas with severe water scarcity for at least one month of the year, while half a billion people face severe water scarcity all year round. Climate engineering created drought. Search the engineering drought section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Not theory, speculation, or hypothesis. Hard science fact. This has been used in continents like Africa for decades, cutting off precipitation to countries and then forcing their governments behind the curtain to allow U.S. occupation. That's why you have AFRICOM with so many U.S. bases in Africa. It's about resources. And it's not just Africa. It's the Middle East as well. From phys.org. Afghan farmers despair as locusts plague precious crops. And that is also the result of not enough precipitation. 
that's what can spawn some of the locust plagues. And to think that the weather modification, weather warfare operations are not a part of this is a very naive notion. There is no natural weather on the planet at this point. Everything has been tainted. And when the controllers of the matrix can release, quote, natural plagues like this and blame it on nature and starve populations, thus to more easily manipulate their governments, that is the crown jewel weapon of the military-industrial complex. Overall, global perspective, here's some bottom lines. Global sea surface temperatures, all-time record-shattering highs right now. Antarctic sea ice extent, record low right now. Arctic sea ice extent, record low right now. Why does this matter? So many people think, great, we'll have a warmer planet. We can go on club med vacations in the polar regions. No, it doesn't work that way. The polar regions are the air conditioners of the planet. And when that ice melts, if it melts completely, if we have a blue ocean event in the Arctic, which changes the equation from sea ice reflecting 90% of the sun's incoming thermal energy to sea water absorbing 90%, superheating those oceans to the point where it will thaw the methane deposits on the seafloor, release the methane, migrates to the water column, hits the sea surface, and then into the atmosphere, where it begins to spread out and cover the planet like a layer of glass. Climate engineering and the attempt to mask what's unfolding in the polar regions and the rest of the planet is further fueling the overall fire. Why should that be any surprise? The pharmaceutical industrial approach to planet Earth, something for a certain symptom that then causes a cascading downstream effect that is far more cataclysmic than the symptom it claims to to treat. And in any sense, climate engineering was never, ever benevolent, always about power and control. More on ocean temperatures in a moment, but keep this fact in mind. I've been over this in many broadcasts. This is a thermal energy equation. A cubic meter of seawater can contain 4,000 times the thermal energy of a cubic meter of air. As the oceans superheat, the atmosphere will follow. From WFLA.com, heat spike of global ocean temperatures stuns scientists. Really, they're stunned. They had absolutely no idea this was coming. Geoengineeringwatch.org has known for a decade and a half and has been desperately trying to sound the alarm the entire time that the planet was spiraling into total meltdown with climate engineering further fueling the fire. Though by no means the only source. We are consuming, burning, and putting into the atmosphere 100 million barrels of carbon fuel a day. Also a major part of the problem. From phys.org, El Nino is back. The report says that's good news or bad news depending on where you live. But they say no computer model of any flavor has experience with the globally super high ocean temperatures that are occurring right now. And El Nino is about to be added to that. Again, how serious is this scenario with our now superheating seas? It's an extremely near-term existential threat that almost none are willing to contemplate. The headline, same theme, intensive subtropical ocean warming is only the beginning. New AWI study shows the warming of the world's oceans will only worsen. How could it not worsen? It takes many years for the heating to catch up to what we've already done. You could shut all forms of human activity off today, including climate engineering, 
and that heating would continue. You can't just stop that kind of momentum, and we've decimated the planet's life support systems, the forests, the oceans, all the cooling mechanisms. You lose those, and the equation goes completely exponential, and that is the road we're on. And even at this late hour, how many are still buying into the programmed false notion that technology and the so-called experts are going to save the day with even more technology? What a great idea. How's that working out so far? Global Climate Engineering Solar Radiation Management Operations, the experiment from which there is no return. And anyone that's still clinging to their power structure programming that the criminal cabal masquerading as our government would never conduct covert experiments like global climate engineering operations, again, from which there is no return, not just on innocent populations, but the entire web of life. Time to wake up. Everything I just described is business as usual for the parasite predator class that controls the matrix. So on that note, and about climate engineering, new from phys.org, geoengineering is shockingly inexpensive. That's the headline. Really? Not when you consider the cost to the entire web of life, all of us destroying the planet, but we still have this kind of total propaganda pushed by the so-called science community. This report continues, reducing emissions won't be enough to confront the climate crisis. We need additional solutions. That's what climate engineering is called, solution, weather warfare. Geoengineering, also called climate engineering, could be the solution we seek. This new so-called science report states, we see this every week. There's a half a dozen of these types of articles every single day out now. And yet, the so-called science community continues to pretend, along with matrix-controlled media, every bought-and-paid-for politician, they continue to pretend it's just a proposal. The report continues, the most well-known method of solar engineering is stratospheric aerosol injection, SAI. This involves, the report says, introducing aerosols into the stratosphere, probably with, wait for it, tethered balloons. They say to make the upper atmosphere more reflective. Really? Balloons. Pay no attention to the skies full of aerosol spraying jets. Don't believe your lying eyes. The government says climate engineering is just a conspiracy theory. The government wouldn't lie to us, right? Would they? God, does that question even deserve an answer? It's, it's truly mind-numbing, the ambivalence that I see around me in most populations. And I know there are those that are trying to sound the alarm, and I'm so grateful to you, but there are so many that are so ambivalent and so reluctant to even look toward the truth, let alone acknowledge it. Next, from this so-called science report, a side effect they say would be more vivid sunsets and sunrises. Instagram would never be the same, they say. Big joke, that our skies are constantly being painted with toxic jet-sprayed filth. If the human race remains in the current course, the degenerates that write this kind of report won't be laughing for much longer. They then say this, quote, Some people find this idea very upsetting, but usually not because they've looked into it. Not sure where to start on that moronic statement. Yes, anyone with a sense of reason and logic must find it upsetting. Countless jet aircraft spewing tens of millions of tons of highly toxic nanoparticles annually. And that's not a guess, by the way. For those that don't listen to this broadcast every week or who are new to it, we have extrapolated from precipitation testing, the amount of jet-sprayed nanoparticles, climate engineering fallout that are being dispersed in skies all over the globe. And that figure is likely somewhere in the 40 to 60 million ton range every single year. 
and we all get to breathe it, poisoning the entire planet, every breath we take. So yes, I've looked into the subject of climate engineering nonstop for over 20 years, and I'll fight to expose and halt the weather warfare assault, or I will perish in the attempt. Here's a few more falsehoods from this so-called science report. They say sulfate aerosols don't stick around long. After one to three years, they rain out of the atmosphere. No, no. Not one to three years. We've worked directly with a polymer chemist, and we have calculated with the testing we have done that many of these aerosols are falling out of the sky down to surface level in as little as 12 to 24 hours. And that's why there's so many jets spraying in our skies, because they can't reach altitudes that they have proposed in these programs, so they're spraying at far lower altitudes. And again, not benevolent, there are many... Agenda is being carried out. 12 to 24 hours descent time for these highly toxic particles, not two to three years. A few more excerpts from this so-called science report titled Geoengineering is, quote, shockingly inexpensive. They say in the modern world, we rely on inexpensive mass agriculture and long supply chains to provide populations with food. Climate change, they say, threatens to disrupt all that and cause widespread suffering. It has the potential to create failed states where only the strong and the ruthless survive. You mean like right now in 37 countries around the world? They then say, who knows what type of apocalyptic hell it can unleash. Students of human history can vividly imagine how people might respond and what depths some might sink to as the idea of collective humanity is left behind. I mean, there's not enough to eat? Yeah, Mad Max on steroids. It's coming. It's a given. They then say the solutions might be controversial. They're referring to climate engineering, of course, but not necessarily expensive. Eventually, we'll have to embrace and implement some of these methods and put aside our fears, at least the unfounded ones. Think of this. it's, It's indicative of the total insanity that we are drowning in. So called scientists claiming that it's an unfound fear to have concerns over countless jet aircraft filling the skies with tens of millions of tons of toxic elements. Some elements that are used for biological carrier platforms like polymer fibers and graphene that's also in our rain. We don't know what they're spraying on us. And to think that they wouldn't conduct biological operations along with these aerosol dispersions is a very naive notion. So-called science source implying that the fears of climate engineering are, quote, unfounded. So consider it's not just those who control the matrix that are to blame. It's all those who actively or passively serve them for a paycheck and a pension. We have seen the enemy, and he is us. And about those pushing for so-called renewable energy as a way to save ourselves from ourselves, not so much. These already flawed alternative energy sources are being drastically diminished by, no surprise, climate engineering, which reduces direct sunlight, overall wind, and overall rain, and thus all three primary forms of alternative energy with it, solar, wind, and hydro. Yes, welcome to the Planetary Asylum. Same theme from pvmagazine.com. Research shows polycrystalline panels, they're referring to solar panels, for 11 different producers degrade more than warranty rate. A research group has conducted a series of tests to assess the performance of polycrystalline solar panels in PV systems, that's photovoltaic solar systems. They found that the vast majority of the panels may fail before 20 years in operation under outdoor conditions. Where else would they be? Indoors? 
And why are polycrystal solar panels failing so fast? It's not just poor manufacturing. It's extreme UV radiation frying the modules. There's polycrystal and monocrystal panels. Polycrystal are far more prevalent because they're cheaper to manufacture, but they're not lasting very long, and that lifespan is getting shorter all the time. But no one in the solar industry will admit this, that UV radiation is frying their panels, nor will the so-called climate science community, any elected official, or any so-called official source. So much for so-called renewable energy. And does that mean that I'm for carbon fuels? No, doesn't mean that. It's profound to me how programmed so many in society are that you're either for the blue team or the red team. You're either for this or that. This dichotomous thinking needs to go away. The equation is complex. It's not a simple this or that equation. It's many things. For the record, again, the problem with our planet isn't just climate engineering. And to those who insist on pushing that narrative, please consider that by doing so, you immediately alienate a huge majority of individuals that we desperately need to help us bring climate engineering to light and to a halt. Every form of human activity that damages the planet or that negatively impacts the energy balance of the planet is a part of the problem. Again, the equation is complex. Moving on, further weather warfare decimation of the poor and already starving. Here's a headline from this week, multiple sources, Pakistan and India. Brace for direct strike from Cyclone Bipperjoy. Cyclone Bipperjoy, the report says, which has been roaming the waters of the Arabian Sea. How often do we see that this is very unusual, becoming normal now, but the climate engineers through manipulation of atmospheric pressure zones can spawn cyclonic rotations almost wherever they want. The report continues that roaming the waters of the Arabian Sea for more than a week will unleash forceful winds, pounding seas, flooding downpours across the region over the next several days. It's made landfall already. We haven't had time to assess the damage yet, but keep this in mind. The U.S. military has been engaged in cyclone manipulation since 1947. Project Cirrus, 76 years. If you think that they have been doing this for the good of the masses, think again. And there's also the ability of the climate engineers to inflict devastating drought. Just ask all the Middle Eastern countries that were targeted with once-in-a-thousand-year droughts immediately after 9-11. Just a coincidence? Not so much. From globalnews.ca, extremely dry spring leaves southern Albertan farmers on the road to zero production. That's what the report says. From the report, quote, they are dying, essentially, referring to the crops. It's something that we've never experienced before, and every single day, it's just nosediving. Doesn't sound good. Drought, flash drought, flash deluge, flash hailstorms, flash freezing, hitting agricultural regions at critical windows in agricultural production all over the world. And there are still other ways of miring populations in misery and declining health. On that note, Canadian wildfire smoke returning to U.S. Yes, as planned, geoengineering getting a big boost by incinerating Earth's last remaining forest, not just in Canada, also Siberia, as well as other regions. Search wildfires serve geoengineering agenda to learn what few are willing to face, at least not yet. Are there yet more benefits for the controllers by covering populations with smoke for days or weeks at a time, even months? Certainly, 
The ongoing climate engineering jet spraying above the smoke canopies is hidden. Populations are forced to breathe the smoke along with all the other toxic elements that are being dispersed into the smoke canopies. How long can you hold your breath? Moving on, there's more from NDTV.com. Canada wildfires intensify, could last all summer. This is an ongoing report, mentioned this in a previous broadcast, but it's being pumped out from many sources to condition populations into accepting a summer of Canadian forest burning to the ground as being something that was predicted, so therefore it must be somehow natural. The report states nearly 17,800 square miles. Think about that. Not so much has burned since the beginning of the year. It's about 16 times the average. 16 times. Make any things wrong? I wonder. Another headline. This week, same theme. Canada boreal, referring to boreal forests, to burn through summer. This is the narrative. This is what's being pumped out. This is what's scheduled. Let's step back for a minute to Project Popeye. That's the weather modification in Vietnam where over 50 years ago, the U.S. was so successful at creating deluges of rain that weather modification was banned in international treaties in the 70s. Not that anybody cares about those treaties. But how many stopped to consider if the matrix controllers had any desire whatsoever to put those fires out? They absolutely have the ability to do so. They would have never happened in the first place if they weren't hampering the hydrological cycle and creating the conditions that allow those fires to burn with such ferocity in the first place. Again, search wildfires as a military weapon. 140-page U.S. military report on exactly the kind of scenarios we see playing out in Canada and Siberia right now. The saturation of the atmosphere with electrically conductive elements which climate engineering elements are, fulfills many agendas for the controllers of the matrix, ionizing the atmosphere for EMP offense and defense over the horizon communications, enhanced other forms of wireless communications. The list is long and certainly includes the following, that, again, by ensuring every breath populations take is toxic, filled with elements that, at absolute minimum, insidiously degrade our health and cognitive abilities. They're slowly but surely rendering populations unable to even fully comprehend what's being done to them, let alone stand up to it. From AccuWeather, multi-day severe threat to take shape across the southern U.S. AccuWeather forecasters say that portions of the central United States will have to contend with multiple rounds of dangerous storms in the coming days as opposing air masses collide. How many times have I talked about that on this broadcast, pumping warm air up from the record-warm Gulf of Mexico and colliding it with air being pushed in from the west generally? That's heavily chemically ice nucleated. You collide these air masses, and what do you end up with? Lots of massive hail, surface winds, cyclonic rotations. The article continues, the atmosphere will be primed with sufficient energy to support vigorous storms. That's from AccuWeather meteorologist Latroy Thornton. Perhaps this meteorologist and all the rest of the so-called meteorologists at AccuWeather need to see a link to the dimming. They continue, nearly 300 reports of damaging winds and severe hail were received by the Storm Prediction Center in Texas. Extremely large hail fell in poorly positioned locations. What does that mean, poorly positioned? They, they were in the target zone? Is that what it means? As thunderstorms rapidly developed during the afternoon and evening, hail as large as baseballs fell in parts of Texas. How often does this have to happen now? It's becoming the normal. Baseball-sized hail, softball-sized hail, doing 
untold damage to not just things like cars, but to animals, to wildlife. Extreme hailstorms and massive hailstones, now the norm. Again, welcome to climate engineering and chemical ice nucleation and cloud seeding. Search the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org to learn much, much more. But don't worry, the forest killing drought is over in the West, right? Or so they would like us to believe. Here's a headline from this week. California's Lake Orville is back at 100% capacity after being hit hard by years-long drought. Or the dying conifer forests of the western U.S. magically bouncing back to life from all the toxic precipitation that the weathermakers decided to dump on the West this year? Not so much. Western forests are ridiculed with dead and dying trees. The die-off continues to accelerate. Some of the worst dive zones are in riparian regions where... The most water is available for trees. Riparian zone tree mortality accelerated in the late 2000s. These generally wet zones, even during the drought, received the most rain runoff, thus the most toxic element exposure. Toxic water, toxic soils, root system shutdown, soil microbiome death, tree death, the rest follows. And if the trees die, we'll die with them. You're listening to the weekly installment of Global Alert News, the bad news broadcast, installment number 410, June 17, 2023. I never, ever wanted this job. I wanted to work in the forest in solitude, restoring habitat for the rest of my days. But how could I do that, knowing what I knew? How could I stay there and not spend the rest of my days on the front line of this fight, which is what I fully intend to do? This is Dane Wigington, your host. Global Alert News is brought to you by geoengineeringwatch.org, the largest and most visited website in the world on the subject of climate intervention operations known as geoengineering. The commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour is now broadcast on 23 AM and FM stations throughout the country. All recent recordings of this broadcast can be found on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org under the recent column. Geoengineering Watch wishes to express our deepest gratitude to those that have helped us to expand our reach and thus our voice in this desperate last hour effort to sound the alarm. If you're on our email list, please put us on your email contact book so that our mail outs don't go to the spam files. Please help us to share the groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which fully exposes the climate engineering atrocities. The best way to share is by circulating the direct link to The Dimming by email directly from the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. Sharing directly helps us to overcome social media censorship. Reviewing our YouTube of The Dimming or Global Alert News or any other Geoengineering Watch video on YouTube, please subscribe, share, and comment, all of which helps us to circulate critically important data to a much wider audience about reaching those in your circles that are still not waking up. Geoengineering Watch awareness raising materials can be found on our homepage. Our only goal to provide activists what they need to move this fight forward. Very high-quality printed materials, shocking images, a picture's worth a thousand words. We also have Geoengineering Watch hoodies and shirts, scannable business cards, bumper stickers, all effective tools to help strike up a conversation on the climate engineering issue. Waking the masses to the climate engineering onslaught is the great imperative. If we can expose it, we can stop it. If you're willing to share a picture of yourself with a Geoengineering Watch t-shirt, perhaps at a gym, farmer's market, or busy street downtown, please send us your photo so that we can post it as part of our activist compilation, which is now part of our materials page. The images encourage others to make their voices heard in this all-important battle to sound the alarm. Moving on, more on the theme of bad air everywhere. In addition to the bad water, been over that in previous broadcasts, there's not an uncontaminated drop of rain on the entire planet. Not just any contamination, P2.5. 
PFAS Forever Chemicals. Every drop of rain. It's in the rain. It's in the air. But there's much more than that. From the LA Times, an ongoing story. In much of the world, taking a breath is unhealthy. All of the world, to a different degree. Reports says residents in some of the most polluted cities face a variety of risks from dirty air. Thick, smoky air from the Canadian wildfires made for days of misery in New York. We breathed it in Northern California for about two months. Solid. They say the bad air goes across the U.S. and Northeast this week, but for much of the rest of the world, breathing dangerously polluted air is an inescapable fact of everyday life and death. Almost the entire world breathes air that exceeds the World Health Organization's air quality limits, at least occasionally. It's much more than occasionally, because keep in mind, and over this many times, they are generally looking for PM10, 10 microns, sometimes PM2.5, the entire avalanche of climate engineering nanoparticles goes undetected, not an accident, by design. The Times report continues, the danger grows worse when that bad air is more persistent than the nightmare shroud that hit the U.S., usually in developing or newly industrialized nations. Air pollution has no boundaries. Consider this final excerpt from the Times report that Confirms some of what I just stated. Fine particulate matter, sometimes denoted as PM2.5, that's 2.5 microns, refers to airborne particles or droplets of 2.5 microns or less. That's far smaller, they say, than a human hair, and the particles can reach deep into the lungs to cause eye, nose, throat, and lung irritation and even affect heart function. Now let's put this into context. You can fit 100,000 nanoparticles across the width of a human hair which makes them exponentially more dangerous. And we're talking about much more dangerous elements like aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, polymer fibers, surfactants, graphene. Let's add this now, an excerpt from a science study. Toxicity and bioaccumulation of nanostructured particles and materials. Nanostructured materials can be easily accessible to the cellular level of tissue or an organ in comparison to macroscale particles given their small size. That makes them prone to passive entrance. This excerpt continues. Investigation in top predators, including humans, demonstrated that inhaled nanoscale particles are less by macrophages than large-sized particles and are able to translocate to other organs through circulatory or lymphatic drainage, which may increase cytokine production and imbalance in redux potential towards oxidation, leading to inflammation or cell death. Nanosized particles and materials were also demonstrated to be taken up by mitochondria and nucleus of the cell, causing DNA mutation. None of that sounds good, does it? Every breath we take. And it's not just us, is it? It's the innocent animals that inhabit this planet, all of them sucking this material in. There's peer-reviewed study to prove that whales, for example, are packed full of aluminum. They're breathing it. Every organism has these elements building up in them, the flora and the fauna alike. We are ubiquitously contaminating the entire planet with these toxic, manufactured nanoparticles. 17 years ago, I was running a habitat restoration crew on the preserve that I manage. There were aircraft that could be heard over the cloud canopy. They were certainly chemically nucleating. It was very unnatural cold air on the ground. There were eight of us there, and within 15 minutes, six of us, myself included, got nosebleeds. 
What we inhaled, I can't say without specific testing, but certainly there was something bad coming down on all of us. We have no way of knowing from one event to the next what they're dispersing in our skies. And yet, how many go about their lives as if nothing's wrong? Gulping down the official narrative that it's just condensation we see in our sky spreading out and covering the entire horizon on many days. Again, this reminder for those that are new to this broadcast, high bypass turbofan jet engine. That's the jet engine that's on all military tankers and all commercial aircraft. It is a jet-powered fan. And by design, because 90% of the air that moves through that jet engine is not combusted. Of course, you can find official agencies to tell you otherwise. The same official agencies that tell you you're not really seeing climate engineering in the sky. Just your imagination. Yeah, it would look exactly like that, but that's not really what you're seeing. And the elements are exactly what we're getting in our testing, but still our imagination. Sense of reason and logic must be put to use. When you see large propeller-driven aircraft, even four-propeller aircraft, large cargo carriers for the military, for example, do you see them leaving giant trails behind them that spread out and cover the horizon? You don't see that, unless they're dispersing also, which we, we do see at times. We saw the World War II B-17 bombers doing this. We've captured film footage of them on military archives, shutting their dispersion off midair, flying in formation like it was cut with a knife. What does that tell us? It tells us whatever that aircraft was emitting, it was not condensation. It didn't fall to the ground when that trail stopped. It stayed in formation. Clearly, it was a dispersion. Where is common sense? Where is logic? This is not condensation we're seeing filthing out our skies day in and day out. It's a very toxic particle dispersion. All these elements, of course, settle to the surface, into soils and waterways where they wreak havoc with the microbiome. On that note, from valleynews.com, blue-green algae showing up in North Dakota waters. The report, the North Dakota Department of Environmental Quality is warning people that hot weather is leading to blue-green algae blooms in bodies of water across the state. Blue-green algae can cause harmful algae blooms producing toxins in the water called cytotoxins. Environmental Quality responds to reported blooms across the state and tests water for toxins. This is happening everywhere. And it's not just the heat and extreme UV radiation, although that is a big part of the equation as well, because the UV radiation also kills soil organisms and organisms in water, also fueling these algae blooms that are happening everywhere, freshwater and saltwater alike. Let's add this to the equation. Headline from this week, Japan begins secret discharge of radioactive water from Fukushima nuclear plant into the ocean. No surprise. They've been doing it all along. Just doing it more now. And many claim Fukushima radiation is heating up the oceans, but such a conclusion has no basis in science. That being said, Fukushima radiation is absolutely poisoning our seas. It's about to get far worse. Back to the warming of those seas, another headline on that subject. It's from the Washington Post this week. Scientists are baffled why the oceans are warming so fast. A steady and remarkable rise in average global temperatures in the oceans this year is now outpacing anything seen since the beginning of record-keeping with satellite observations, causing many scientists to suddenly sound the alarm over risks and realities of climate change. It's climate collapse. And again, there's no subject about climate anything. It's legitimate without first and foremost addressing the climate engineering issue. They continue, but even those typically aligned on climate science can't agree on what exactly triggered such rapid warming and how alarmed they should be. 
they just can't figure it out, can they? And they certainly aren't looking up. So, again, same theme, because this is an existential near-term threat. The looming El Nino could cost the world trillions of dollars, warming waters in the Pacific can trigger droughts, wildfires, extreme rainfall, and, of course, no mention of climate engineering. Let's blame it all on some cyclical scenario that climate engineering is, in fact, manipulating as well, on top of everything else climate-related. They say leading to potential $3 trillion losses in the coming years. Soon, very soon, it will no longer be about money. It will be about near-term survival. On that note, tying everything together from BBC, this report, as ocean oxygen levels dip, fish face uncertain future. They say the impacts on marine life are going to be complicated and not good. Fish already expend tens of times more energy to breathe than people do, and the oceans are rapidly deoxygenating. We're down 90% with global pelagic fish populations, the food fish, 90%. 90% of the plankton, plankton in the Atlantic Ocean, also gone. UV radiation from the geoengineering destroyed ozone layer, frying them as they try to feed in the upper layers of the water column. One more new report from the Washington Post. Certainly summarizes the Anthropocene era, the age of man. Here's the headline, the fire equivalent of an ice age. Humanity enters a new era of fire. Yes, not by water this time, but by fire. From the UK Guardian, fears of hottest year on record as global temperatures spike. Early data shows June temperatures hitting record highs ahead of El Nino that experts say will have significant heating effect on top of that already. And I know for so many people, because they live in the heavily climate-engineered U.S., with the military that's as big as the next 10 biggest militaries combined, that's keeping their population on and off cool down. For so many people, if it's cool outside their door, at least temporarily, they can't imagine, accept, or believe that that's not indicative of the entire world. I hope that changes. The whole lower 48 states of the U.S. is 1.5% of the Earth's surface area. That's hardly a snapshot of the world. We need to look at the wider horizon. To summarize all of this from the cut.com, fresh signs of a pending apocalypse. Here's an excerpt. Spring usually leads into summer, but this year it seems to be setting us up for a season of pure apocalypse. Consider the numerous signs. 10 million acres and counting, it's higher than that now, have burned in Canada, putting the country on track for its worst wildfire season ever. They're already there. The ensuing smog-turned swaths of sky over the East Coast, an ominous shade of Blade Runner orange last week, and experts warned that the putrid sargasm piling up in Florida's beaches might be harboring, already covered this in previous broadcasts, flesh-eating bacteria, in addition to creating heinous stenches. Meanwhile, in Texas, state officials are scrambling to remove the tens of thousands of dead fish that washed up along the Gulf Coast over the weekend. Covered that last week as well. Doomsday, anyone, the article asks. Again, in all of this, it's so important to understand and acknowledge it's not just climate engineering that's destroying the climate and our planet. So many choose to call those that are justifiably concerned about the state of the climate and the planet a cult. Question, what should we call all those that blindly follow the baseless narrative that there isn't anything wrong with the climate or the planet, in spite of the tidal wave of evidence to the contrary? Is that group not a cult as well? How many in militarized, industrialized populations are behaving like cattle, 
glued to their electronic devices, caught up in completely scripted political everything, pretending that the paradigm we've formerly known will somehow continue indefinitely into the future, in spite of the fact that the entire foundation of our former paradigm is crumbling by the day. The party's over. It's not coming back. How many are willing to actually contemplate that bitter pill? How many have still not accepted that life is, at best, a seasonal occupation? So what's the point? What's my point? This, that we're here for a reason. No matter how dark the horizon, it's our individual task, each of us, all of us, to do what we can to make a difference for the better, given our individual circumstances. We're not the authors of the unfolding drama called life, but indeed, we are actors in this grand spectacle. To play our individual part with virtue, morality, and honor isn't just an option. It's our absolute obligation. Our responsibility to our posterity, to the planet, to the web of life, and most of all, to our maker. As I've made mention of in the past, through the most difficult and challenging times during the course of my life, I've always kept a specific vision before me in the depths of my mind. A stunningly beautiful and immovable mountain in the distant horizon, rising to the heavens from the midst of the deepest, darkest, and most foreboding forest that stretched out before me. A forest that I knew I somehow had to find a way to trek through, to navigate, in order to reach that mountain. And keeping the vision of the mountain in my mind's eye, I knew that so long as I kept marching without yielding, so long as I kept my compass heading, no matter what challenges I faced, that I would reach that mountain and ascend its slopes, rising up out of the darkness and into the sky. My march continues to this day, and I'm not alone. I don't have the words to fully express the depth of gratitude I feel toward every single activist and individual that, in spite of their individual challenges and circumstances, have summoned the courage to face the gathering storm head on. It is our combined efforts that can yet make a difference, even at this late hour. Reaching a critical mass of awareness is the only way forward in this fight. Sharing credible data from a credible source is key. Search the Activist Suggestions link on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org for specific instructions on how you can make your voice heard. It is imperative that we make every day count. The hour is late. Time is not on our side. Until next week, let's soldier on, no matter what comes. This is Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org.